0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Hopefully well. Yeah. All right. So we've got two announcements real quick this morning, and then we're going to worship together. But thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. Uh, We are excited that you are here. We got a couple of things going on this week. Um, Tomorrow night at 6 p.m., Refuge, our women's... Group is meeting uh, tomorrow evening. Um, And Miss Vanessa, right here in the front, wanted everybody to know and be reminded of that. Um, So come and participate. They'll be doing a Bible study and a few other things together tomorrow night. It'll be a great evening uh, for our women in the church here. The next thing that we have uh, goes with service this morning. Uh, Scott is going to throw up Pastor Brian's cell phone number. There it is. Um, so Pastor Brian has asked, uh, he, he wants an answer to a question. So he wants you to take out your cell phones. One time that it's all right for you to use your phones in church, I suppose. And uh, he wants you to answer this question. Uh, just one answer. It doesn't have to be long. It can just be one answer. Uh, characteristic and he wants to know what is a characteristic of a person after God's own heart so if you would text him an answer to that question uh, he will share with us in just a little while why he asked that question again the question for you to text an answer to that phone number on the screen is what is a characteristic of a person after God's own heart Would you stand with me and greet one another, and we will start worshiping together.
1: We bow before you today, Jesus. We love you today. We give ourselves to you. We open up our hearts and say, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for loving me when I'm faithless and when I'm unlovable. Thank you for being the perfect father. Suffering for your patience. You are altogether lovely, and we lavish our love on you this morning, Father, because I can't help myself.
2: They say amen. eyes closed in a uh, in in a state of of communion not not thinking of communion as the, the bread and the wine right now but just really relating to engaging with the presence of the Almighty who knows right where you are. Who knows the hills and the valleys that you have been in. Who knows the reality of your life, your life circumstances, your your perspectives, your pain. We're inviting you into a place of real communion now. It's just, it's you and Jesus. In the midst of whatever is happening in life, he knows you. He loves you. He has died for you. He has risen from the grave for you. He longs to empower you. His desire today is for you and him to be one. It's you and Jesus for a few moments. I'm just inviting you into a conversation. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. Sometimes, sometimes we have words that are just flowing. Words that are just coming forth from us like gushing waters as we cry out to you. Sometimes. we struggle to find words to really communicate. Regardless of which end of the spectrum each one of us is at in this moment, we, we call out to you from our reality, from our set of circumstances, we, we cry out to you in, in praise, making a, a basic declaration that you are a good father. And in, 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 in saying that, so much flows from there. You're a good father. You're involved. You're paying attention. You are. You, you have a, a passionate love for your children. Your desire is that we would be blessed. Fruitful. walking in in your light, walking in the light as, as you were in the light, enjoying real relationship with you, father to son, father to daughter. Your desire is that we would know you. And in knowing you, we could come to you, we would come to you with our stuff, with the best of times and the worst of times, with with the victories and with the defeats, so here we are, every bit of who we are is before you now, and, and we're just asking, Holy Spirit, that you would accomplish your good and pleasing and perfect will in our lives. Thank you for the victory that has come, for the victory that is is here now. And for the victory that is coming, we just by faith believe. Believing in, in, in that as our as our as that as our new reality. You are our God, you are our In the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray and everybody said, amen. I want to invite our ushers to join us up here as we would like to continue our time of worship through, through our giving. And we thank you, Jesus, for your provision We honor you for that. Thank you for the provision that has come in in our families, in our family units, and in our church family as a whole. You know our needs. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. think our kids have already headed out, but if you've got one that'd like to head up to Children's Church, now's the time to do that. Otherwise, the rest of us that are going to be hanging out in here, I'd like to invite you to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul has been anointed king over Israel, the first king over the nation of Israel. After 400 years of of, of freedom from oppression underneath the hand of, of the Egyptians, God has been the king over Israel throughout this time. But Israel has rejected God as king, has demanded a human king, And so God has relented and said, okay, I'm going to give you exactly what you desire. What they wanted was a a human that would lead them into battle and be king over them just like every other nation had a king. They wanted to be just like the rest of, of the world, essentially. And God has relented and given them exactly what they wanted. And Saul is the man. And, and as we looked at last week, God blessed it. God said, okay, I'm going to be all in on this. And he puts his hand of blessing on Saul. He puts a, an anointing on Saul. Saul becomes, goes, we see Saul just as a regular person. To all of a sudden, he's, he's prophesying and, and, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. God has come upon him. So God has gone all in on this man, Saul. And We pick up the story in chapter 13 right at verse 1, and here's what it says. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. Now, just pausing there for a moment so we understand um, the, the end of the passage that we're going to read today we We know we can do the math, and there's twenty more years left in Saul's reign as king, so just doing a little math here, we know' we're, that we're about halfway through Saul's reign as king, but it <laughs> we don't have much information. I mean, we pretty much hit a fast forward button, and all of a sudden we're we're halfway through Saul's. Rain, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I just want you to have a heads up. That puts him, what, at, around 50, in, in his 50s, halfway through his, his reign as king. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gebeah in Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan, and by the way, Jonathan is Saul's son, and this is kind of the first that we begin to hear about Jonathan. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, "Let the Hebrews let the Hebrews hear." So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines, or some versions say a stench in their nose. And now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines, and the people at that point were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3000 chariots 6000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore they went up and camped at Michmash, which is somewhere between 10 and 20 miles away from where Saul and the Israelite army are when the Israelites saw that when the, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical And that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks. They hid in pits and cisterns. Some even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul, though, remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, and Samuel is still prophet over Israel, judge, priest over Israel, but he's an old man by now. He he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So now his numbers begin to deplete. So he said, Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul himself offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel showed up. He arrived, and Saul runs out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, look, when... When I saw that the men were scattering and and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were, were assembling at McMash, I, I I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at, at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor so I was compelled to do your job for you. I offered up the burnt offerings. You... Have done a foolish thing. Uh, I I I'd like to adjust that word a little bit. Our Americanized notion of of being foolish is is re, quite too uh, um, too easy to just pass by. You know, it's just being a foolish little boy. Just you know, we 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 have we have really vanillified that word so let me adjust it you have done an evil thing you have done a very immoral sinful thing that is the language that's the energy inside of this phrase from samuel You have done a very immoral thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. Because you have not kept. The Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah in Benjamin, and Saul counted the men who were with him. They were at 3,000, now they number about 600. Apparently, Samuel had set a time that he was going to meet up with Saul. You're going to meet here at Gilgal in, in seven days. And Saul was there, and, and, and he had the men lined up and ready, and they, they can see across this open field, you know, 10 to 20 miles away, this unbelievable sight. These chariots, these charioteers, this army that's just amazingly vast before them. War is imminent Saul has been king now for over 20 years. He's been in leadership for a long time. He's no rookie, okay? He's no rookie on the scene here. This is, he's had plenty of time to develop his relationship with God where his leadership as king could be underneath God's leadership over Israel And yet we see something tragic in this story. A a, a set of choices, a set of decisions that Saul makes that ends up with the kingdom will be stripped away from you. And we know that it's going to be about 20 years down the road before that will happen. But the anointing, the blessing of God we see in this story removed, cut off. Out of his humanness, and and I think we can understand Saul's humanness in this story. He's observing what's in front of him, and then he's watching his men start to peel off, and they're going into hiding. Some of them are running across the river to safety, and his numbers are dwindling right before his eyes. And here's this vast army before him. Out of his humanness... He makes a rash decision. Samuel has not arrived on the scene yet. He's late, according to Saul. And these these offerings are to be made, to be raised up to God so that God will do his thing. But in 20 years as king and and 50-something years as an Israelite, Saul is no dummy here. He's not ignorant of the law. He's not ignorant of the parameters that are in place for him. He's not ignorant of the parameters that are in place for Israel. He knows who's responsible to do these offerings. It is the priest, and it is only the priest that are allowed to do this. The system is has been created that way Israel has been functioning inside of that. Saul knows this. This is not a matter of ignorance on Saul's part. Without really being told this, what what it appears is that Saul says, I'm king. I can do whatever I want. Samuel hasn't shown up yet, so I'm just going to step in, and I'm going to offer up the priestly offerings I'm king after all, I can do that. God has blessed me, God has anointed me, I'll just, I'm just gonna step in and do this, and he does it. Knowing, knowing full well, he's in direct disobedience to God. Oh, and then as the conversation unfolds, we get confirmation of this. Saul does not say anything like, wait, what? I did. I did. I did what wrong? I had, I had no idea. Instead, as soon as he's finished with his actions, Samuel shows up on the scenes and he runs out and he's like, hey, Look, 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 you gotta understand. Here's what was happening. They were lining up, there were, people were scattering, and you were late. and I mean look, you and I, we're we're not going to connect with a king, okay? We're not gonna understand the pressures of a king. We're not gonna understand the pressures and the tensions of someone who's who's leading a whole nation or in this particular moment is leading thousands of people and, and is facing an enemy that far exceeds their own size. We're not gonna connect with that. But what we are going to connect with is his humanness, aren't we? We're going to connect with fear. We're going to connect with taking action inside of that fear, even if it's direct disobedience against God's will, God's plan, And we're certainly going to connect with our list of excuses as to why we did it. Because Saul's human. You want a human king, Israel? I'm going to give him to you. Here's here's what you get. By the end of this story, Saul has lost God's anointing, God's blessing upon him, he's already been told the kingdom will be stripped away from your family, essentially saying, hey, Jonathan, your son, or whoever, generations that will follow you, you will not participate in this any longer. It starts with you, and it stops with you, and that's it. Devastating news. See, we live in a society where we elect new presidents sometimes every four years, sometimes every eight years, but we have new leadership, and it has nothing to do with family. We don't We don't get this whole lineage thing, okay? That's outside of our normal. This, though, is devastating news. It's devastating news that Samuel has to bring to Saul, and it's devastating news that Saul and his family have to receive. That's it for you. It ends with you, Saul. God is now raising someone else up Someone that is a man after his own heart, a distinguishing statement, Saul, you were blessed you had saul you you had a real chance here you 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 were given a real chance, God went all in he he put his blessing on you, he anointed you, he filled you with his spirit, and yet you chose this revealing the truth about your own heart certainly not one that is passionate about or in pursuance of God's own heart Israel I've given you this king here's exactly what you ask for he's the most handsome in in all of Israel he stands ahead taller than everybody else but his heart is wrong and Now you've experienced that, and and so the next phase is I'm going to raise up someone that's going to be a man after me. makes his choices and it's really no different with us it's the it's the reality of and responsibility of free will you and I have been empowered to make choices there's already a a whole set of choices that you have made that even got you from your bed this morning to sitting right here with us today. A whole set of choices. A whole set of options. See, each moment gives us a set of options from best to worst. And we'll make a single choice inside of that moment. Should a person make the best possible choice in that moment it it sends them into the next moment in which there's another set of choices to be made as you can see there a trajectory can be set and I know I say that word a lot it's one of my favorite words but it really communicates to me life's reality what direction is our life headed In that same set of choices, a person can make the the worst choice, which will then open up another set of choices. And suddenly you could find yourself in a completely opposite trajectory, from God's best to really man's worst. Some people live life where they're like, you know, this, I get it, and this is the beauty of, but also, and I'm gonna use this word poignantly, the responsibility of free will. And some of us are so irresponsible with our free will. And because of that, consequences. In fact, I wanna distinguish these two trajectories, and I, I believe this wholeheartedly, and I just ask you to search your heart and your mind and, your, and, 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 and search your history on this and see what, if this seems correct. But when a person is choosing God's best, they, they will function in a trajectory of blessing. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Right? You want God's blessing. You want to be blessed by God. I'm telling you, if if that didn't matter to you, you certainly wouldn't have taken the time to get here today. Who doesn't want God's blessing? The, the, The way to really live that out is to choose God's best in each moment. And as the moment comes and as the set of options come before you, You make that best choice, and in doing so, you set this trajectory of of blessing. And you know what? Sky's the limit. Sky is the limit when you do that. When you choose man's worst, there's a trajectory of consequences that unfolds. And we've all seen it in our lives. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. We know when you, when you make a poor choice and, you, and, and then you make a poor choice and you make a poor choice, there, 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 is, there is unleashed in our reality consequences for those choices. The person that is irresponsible with their free will, will find themselves suddenly swimming in consequences, and they're going like, how did I get here? How did this happen? Why am I drowning in, in all of this garbage? And all you got to do is back up just a few steps and, and, and look and see the choices made. You know this is Saul's reality in this moment. How did I go from being king over all Israel to suddenly being told in one story, you're out. Now, let me make something clear. One mistake does not equal out in regards to God's kingdom. Saul's removal out of office his impeachment here, essentially, I'm, I, I believe could have been held off had he just repented, had he fallen on his knees before God in this moment in, in front of Samuel and, and simply said, I did wrong, I know I did wrong, I want to do right, I want to do God's way, I want God's blessing. I believe that had he repented... This story would not have ended this way, but there is nothing like that. Which is, which is, which is why the, this statement from God through Samuel is that now he's going to raise up somebody who is a man after God's own heart. We're going to show you what that kind of king can look like. Church, we we have been blessed with free will. The, uh, one of the questions that really comes before us today that 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 that, that we have got to really consider and, and really take to heart is how responsible are we with that. Are we responsible with it or are we reckless with it? Likely, it's one or the other. It's what you've been empowered with. And it's, it's a privilege. God did not want us to be a bunch of robots, mindless robots. That's not how he created humanity. He wanted us to choose him. He wanted us to choose best. He wanted us to choose righteousness and and holiness and and transformation. And he wanted us to choose his path, his way, his good and pleasing and perfect will. He wanted us inside of the tension of of our reality to choose to set our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. He wanted us to pursue him. that's That's how he embedded us with this. This powerful privilege called free will. Are we responsible with it or are we going to be reckless with it? And I'm telling you, you're going to get one or the other. If you haven't already experienced this, you will. I, I had you text me, and a lot of you responded, thank you, asking the, the question, okay, so God says to Saul, I'm going to raise somebody up now, and he's going to be a man after my own heart, and it's worth us having a, a a dialogue, and this is the best way for us to do this. What, what does... What does that look like? What is a a characteristic? What what are the characteristics of, of someone that is pursuing God's heart? Man or woman, adult or child, listen to these, listen to your answers. Humble, patient, you desire to be whole and healed of the past, an incredible listener, kindness. Selfless, actually when I saw that I thought it said selfies, and I wasn't quite sure how to interpret that. Selfless, available, fat, followed up with faithful, available, teachable. In constant communication with God. One who seeks God's truth, kindness, compassionate, great answers. Yeah, up, up, up. see that that all is that's fruit. When when and and, and, and listen, our free will has to engage this. you you either desire to seek after God's own heart or you don't. It either matters to you or it doesn't. A person that really wants and seeks after God's own heart and pursuing that, these things flow. They they become fruits of that. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all things that we don't create in and of ourselves. They, they are fruit because we have, have plugged ourselves into a, a source that goes beyond our humanity. It goes beyond our failures. It goes beyond our inabilities to, to choose right. It goes beyond our recklessness. And, 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 and when we engage our free will into seeking the face of God, somehow he, he accomplishes stuff in us and through us himself. That's the, the the miraculous thing of walking with God we we cannot transform ourselves you ask anybody around here who has tried to change themselves and they will tell you I failed over and over and over and over again this is this is the person that that their trajectory is like this, and anybody whose trajectory is like this i'm telling you i, I I put my money on it. It's because they're trying to do the right thing in their own power. And as soon as you try to do that in your own power, you fail. Man, a, a person who engages their free will in seeking after God's own heart, who makes the choice as as, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the, the person who chooses, who makes the choice to do that, they're empowered to, in the moment, to make the best choice. That sends them into the next moment, to be able to make another great choice, and then another great choice, and all of a sudden, you're, you've got a life that is just blessed. Why? And, and they'll tell you, not because of me, it's I just somehow God has just done this, I just said yes to him back here. And by saying yes to him back here, it just it just led to another yes and another yes and another yes and another yes. And you know what? Suddenly you're living a holy life. Suddenly, life is different than the person that has just blown it and blown it and blown it and blown it, or you know, or blown it a little worse and tried to get it right and then blown it a little worse. I mean, I, I feel bad for Saul. I do, kind of. But he blew it, and he knew it. He knew what he was doing. Hence the list of excuses. Instead of offering excuses in that moment, man, he could have just fallen on his knees and repented and said, "I, I I'm sorry. I, I, I know I messed up. I, I, I wanted." Man, the story could have been so different. We, we don't, Saul's experience does not have to be ours. You may have come into this room today and, and, and this has been your reality. And in fact, it may have been your reality for so long that at this point, you're like, I have no chance to get back to here. And I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. If you don't hear anything else today, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Starting right here and right now, you can make a whole new trajectory for you. If you will just determine in your heart, engage your free will and say, I want God. And I want God's best for me and I want God's best for those that are around me. And the only way to do that is to simply engage your free will in this. He is not going to force himself on you. He will never will. It is the, that would be the exact opposite of the point of giving you free will. He wants you to choose him and he made himself available to you an hour ago, just like he's making himself available to you now. And he, in his passionate and his compassionate love for you, will continue to make himself available to you. But I'm just like, why wait? Why why would anybody want to put off God's blessing in their lives? Why would anybody want to continue to to sink in the pit like this when they have the chance to begin to live like this. That's just my logic, but it sure makes sense with your eyes closed and and just a real, honest, A real, personal, honest assessment of your life, assessment of your place, assessment of your reality. Are you a person seeking after God's own heart? Has that been you? Is that you? You should be able to look backwards and see choices that have been made inside of this God-seeking heart of yours and you're going to find blessing after blessing after blessing. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience hard times. It doesn't mean that Circumstances aren't going to be challenging, difficult. We live in a fallen world. But even in the midst of that fallenness in this world, you can see God's blessing in your life. Or are you one in your honest place with yourself right now? Or are you one who has not? been seeking after God's own heart. You've been trying it in your own power. You've been been trying it in your own knowledge, in your own gained wisdom. In your own humanity, you have been making choice after choice after choice, and you can see this trajectory of struggle and failure Despair, discouragement, sin. And yet, even in the midst of that reality, God says to you right now, My love for you is relentless, it's fiery, it's passionate. It hasn't waned. It's pursuing you even right now in this moment, and I'm inviting you to make a dramatic change, shift this trajectory into one where you can walk out of this misery and this muck and this mire and begin to experience my blessing on your life. That kind of dramatic change happens because we, engage our free will and we say God I'm sorry and I repent of this direction and re- we use that word repentance in the church and we throw it around and, 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 and but when you think of it with this kind of trajectory thing then it's not so much about what you are repenting away from as what you are repenting into. You, you want to turn from this other way because you no longer want this to be your reality, and so you're going to repent not only away from that, you're going to repent into this whole new paradigm, this whole new trajectory, this whole new way of life because you want God's best for you, because you want his blessing on you. That is the fruit of repentance. That is a dramatic shift. One that I'm telling you, Saul, had a chance to do but walked right on past it with our eyes closed and just in this place of self-assessment. Maybe there are some here today that just really want to make this life shift happen and I want to invite you to do something courageous today because I believe if I don't ask you to do this create this courageous thing then you're going to still try to do this in your own power and you're not going to lean, you're not going to choose to really lean in God's forgiveness you're going you're to be tempted to just continue to try to overcome this yourself So I'm going to ask you to do something courageous today. I want to treat these steps here around this stage as altars. If there is is someone here or there are several here that want their life trajectory to truly shift, to truly change, I want to invite you to get out of your seat, and come and kneel. Not before me. I, I'm stepping off this. This is about this kneeling before God in a position of repentance with words of asking for forgiveness and, and a declaration on our lips that we want to do life his way. We want his blessing on us And if that's you, these altars are open. These altars are open, and I want to invite you, just come. It's you at the feet of Jesus. Church, can we just sing this song together, a cappella? You know the words to this. Oh, to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will Trust him in his presence daily. Live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my bless. Blessed Savior, I surrender There's, every time I sing this song, I I can't help but think of a a story about a, a pastor and family in a village in Africa. The villagers have determined that they want to do away with what this pastor and his family are about, what they're preaching about, and they, they, they bring them out into the village square where they have dug a hole, a large hole. They force the pastor and his family into this hole, and they're, they're standing in this hole, and they're looking up at, at the village leaders with shovels in their hands, and the village leader's, they, they say you, you've got a, you've got a chance here you want out just just deny knowing christ and we'll let you climb out of this hole and we can go on and they just start singing I surrender all and as they're singing this chorus the The dad and the mom and the the children who are shorter than them, the the voices one by one begin to get snuffed out as they are buried alive while singing the song. Till there are no more voices left. The villagers and, and watching this, they are cut to the heart and and this village turns to god because of this absolute surrender that they just witnessed oh to jesus i This is your testimony. Will you stand with me? I surrender all to Thee, blessed Savior. I surrender. Lord this these are words that are raised up to you today in worship and declaration it is they are words of of trust they are words of faith they are words of transformation because when we choose to surrender when when we when we choose now when we when we make the choice now to engage our free will in pursuing you there are transformational things that will begin to happen in our lives one choice at a time one moment at a time and so we just we lift up our moments that are ahead of us to you Asking, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us to see from the best to the worst. And I'm asking that you will will give us this gift, this gift of empowerment, that we'll be able to see things the way you see them, that we will have your eyes leading our lives. Some of us in this room Our eyes have been polluted. Purify the polluted right now. Purify the polluted. That the scales of sin, pornography, whatever it has been that we have been setting our eyes to, that those scales would fall away, that we would have eyes to see you, that we could see things your way from this point forward, empowering us to take each moment as it comes making the best possible choice in each one of those moments, giving us a whole new trajectory of of your blessing and your anointing on our lives. Thank you for hearing our cries today and answering our prayers and making us new. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. And everybody said, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his empowerment this week. I do pray you have an amazing one. See you next Sunday.